Well, good morning once again, Lighthouse. Oh, come on. Good morning, Lighthouse. There we go. Much better. Thank you. I needed that. I'm so excited about this morning. For those of you who are joining us online, welcome. Thank you for being here and being a part of the service at your location. And uh, for those of you who are here, you probably, hopefully, picked up uh, some of the prepackaged elements that you found on the back table back there. For those of you who are joining us online, this would be the time and the opportunity for you to go and grab some juice or water and uh, bread or crackers in preparation for the communion we'll be uh, remembering here in just a little bit. So, with that being said, love is in the air. Is it not? All you have to do is watch the news. Love is in the air. I remember when, when I was a kid, and, and maybe some of you uh, older friends here, you may remember this as well. Uh, when I was a kid, I remember that Valentine's Day, you remember that? It, it, it was one of the times when you kind of knew exactly how popular you were based on the amount of Valentine's cards you got. I mean, I remember when I was in, in kindergarten, like we had, yes, I can remember that far back, but I can remember like we had envelopes put up on the wall with our name on it, right? And then on Valentine's Day, like towards the end of class, you'd run over and you'd grab your envelope and you would look to see, you know, how many you got. First of all, you count how many you got and then you'd just read them. But the fact of the matter is there was only really one that you were looking for, right? Come on, let's be honest. You were looking for that special one from that special person that you always were looking for at recess so you could hang out together at the jungle gym and you looked for that card and finally you found it. And I remember I'd read it, the words would sink so deep into my soul. Doug, happy Valentine's Day. Trisha H. And at that moment, it was obvious she had the hots for me just by what she wrote on the Valentine's card, right? And it's amazing to me when you look at Valentine's cards because they've changed so much. Back in the old days, they were they were kind of they were classic, right? They were they were easy. They were they were maybe a little bit sappy when you would read them, but they were simple. Most of those early Valentine's Day cards, they were simple. Well, today they've gotten kind of a little bit sassy, a little bit creative, and maybe even a little bit cheesy, right? Uh, I, I love this one. This one's one of my favorite. This one's probably my favorite one. Do you get it? Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Okay. And uh, I like this one is because it has the word bacon in it. Bacon makes everything okay. And then this is the one Sean gave to me last year. So, um, I know it, you didn't give it to me, it's just a good joke. So anyway, uh, but, but the thing is that once you, you know, once you get past that card stage and, and you start maybe developing a relationship with that special somebody, right, that you have begun to uh, look at and begun to spend more time and energy on, when you think of Valentine's Day, what do you think of? What are the things that we do for Valentine's Day? Well, to be honest with you, the truth being told, this is kind of baseline, right? Ladies, am I right? This is kind of, this is kind of the expectation when you come to Valentine's Day, that, that you're going to get the cards and the candy. But there, as the older you get, there's got to be a little bit more, right? Like, like dinner and entertainment 
and stuff like that. I mean, this is just this is just the bottom line to what's going on. I called yesterday. Uh, there's a local restaurant that uh, that Sean is Sean's favorite, and so I thought, you know what, I'll call him up and see if you know I can. They they don't have reservations, but they have kind of a call ahead. And I called and I said, hey, is there any way that I know he, you you call ahead? Can I get in tomorrow? Can I call ahead? But she's all. I, I mean, I picture he's going, yeah, yeah, we're already booked solid for tomorrow. I'm like, don't, right? And so the, the fact of the matter is that what we do on Valentine's Day supposedly reveals how much we love that person. But how did we get Valentine's Day? Bigger question, who was Valentine? Historically, there are actually three martyred saints who, who we read about that they say could have been the Valentine that was venerated and made a saint. One of them was kind of a common man who, who was said to go about and possibly lost his life because he was helping Christians to escape the cruelty of Roman prisons. There was another Valentine. His name was actually Valentine. He was known as Valentine of Turney. And uh, he was actually uh, killed outside of Rome. He was a bishop who was killed right outside of the city of Rome by Emperor Claudius II. Finally, and probably the most, you know, the legend that most of us pay attention to the most was Valentine who was a... a, priest in the third century who served in Rome. And at that time, Claudius II, the one who I just talked about who had Turney, Valentine of Turney killed, Claudius II believed that uh, unentangled single men were better soldiers than men who had wives and families. So Claudius II outlawed marriage. Valentine saw the injustice of this and actually went against Claudius II, the Roman Roman emperor, and he secretly married these young lovers. This is where we all go, oh, that's so cool. Except Valentine died for it, (laughs) obviously, right? I mean, Claudius found out what Valentine was doing and he had him killed for doing that. Now, another legend has it that Valentine, when he was arrested and placed in prison, developed a relationship with a young lady, and they fell in love. And shortly before Valentine was killed, he wrote a note to this young lady, and he ended the note with, from your Valentine, which is the line that is still in use today. Now, here's the thing. The whole history of Valentine is kind of fuzzy, right? We don't don't know a whole lot about it, but history tells us, in fact, history.com emphasizes that Valentine was seen as a sympathetic and heroic, most importantly, romantic figure. Now, with that in mind, and thinking about all that encompasses Valentine, whether he was a a bishop or a priest or a commoner, uh, and, and all of those different things, today, I want to bring into context what Valentine's Day should mean and what it should 
point two. My goal is not for us to walk out of here and say those were great stories about Valentine. Because here's the thing. I believe that Valentine, whichever one it was and whoever it was, the Saint Valentine did what he did out of an overflowing heart of love that instructed his actions. Valentine did what he did out of love for God. And that's how you and I should respond in this moment. Now, here's the thing. Obedience and pacification were the rule for the ancient gods of antiquity. Typically, when you read about the gods of old, whether Greek or Roman or Egyptian or whatever you want to look at, whatever era you want to look at, typically it was the obedience and pacification of those gods that was most important. And yet the God of the Jews stood drastically different, separated from those other gods because he operated by a significantly different set of rules. Not even rules. He operated from a different mindset. See, those other gods that these people were worshiping, they knew that their god was a do-or-die god. Do what I say or die. Do or die. Serve me. Feed me. Do all of these things or die. But that's not how the god of the Jews operated. That was not the mentality of the God of the Jews. It's not the mentality of the God that we serve. His, his, his model is not do or die. His model is love and live. Love and live. 66 books of the Bible, letters, history, poetry, all of them point to the fact that this God is not a weak God, he is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is all-present. And he is all-love. And that's what this God is all about. Live and love. Love and live. And in order for us to understand this concept, this mentality, he went a step further. He set the example for us. He laid out the rules. He gave us what we needed to see. He paid the ultimate price in order for us to understand this whole idea of love and live. In fact, we see it in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 gives us the best view of this. Verses 5 through 8 say this. You see at just the right time when we were still powerless, the we being us, you and me, people of earth, humans, when we were still powerless, powerless to affect eternity in our favor. There's nothing that you can do. There's absolutely nothing you can do in and of yourself that will get you eternally with God. Nothing that you can do. You are powerless. Powerless. There's nothing that I can do that will help get you into heaven. You and I are powerless in and of ourselves. He says, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. For the ungodly. You know who the ungodly is? It's you and me. 
Raise your hand if you're ungodly. Raise your hand. Okay, yep, hands all over the place. Raise your hand if the person next to you is ungodly. No, I'm kidding. Don't do it. Too many hands went up too fast. Okay? Jesus didn't die just for good people. Because in all honesty, who can define good other than God himself? Jesus died. Jesus died for, for, for bad people. He died for deadly people. He died for apathetic people. He died for, for people who won't even acknowledge him as God. Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though, for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates. Say the word demonstrates. Caught you off guard. Say the word demonstrates. What is a demonstration? It's action, is it not? Doesn't to demonstrate means that you have to take some form of action. And by God wanting to reveal his love, it says, but God demonstrates. God took action. He demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still ungodly, Christ died for us. That, my friends, is love. That's what love looks like, okay? So here's the thing. I want to just share three simple thoughts with you about love today, about Valentine's, the love that Valentine had that was seen in his action. Three thoughts for you and me to just kind of process on this day and maybe even about our own relationships, our relationship with God especially, certainly, but also our relationships with each other. The first thought is this, that what you love distracts you from who you love. What you love distracts you from who you love. What you love can be a distraction from who you love. I'm going to tell you what. What's very rarely return love. You realize that, right? What's can come and go. What do I mean by that? Well, think about the what's in our lives, the, the what's that we pursue, the things that take the place of who we love. Maybe you've had that conversation before. I know I have. I've had someone and people have these conversations of you are putting so much time in at work i feel like i'm a distant second that's a what my friends some of us have that we're putting in so much time and effort and energy into work and believe me there are seasons where that happens right there are seasons but when it becomes a lifestyle that what replaces the who and maybe there's, there are hobbies and habits that fill that what blank. I mean, I remember, I play, you, if you've come to Lighthouse for any length of time, you know I played baseball in high school and college when I got done, and I went into ministry, I started playing softball. And I have known people who will play softball three, two, three, maybe even four times a week. And that what begins to take the place of the who in our lives. And that what, number one, is, is, is at some point is going to go away. I played softball. I don't play softball anymore. That job that we maybe are pursuing more money or a better position, it, it can be gone tomorrow. Then who's going to return your love? 
What we love can distract us from who we love. And who we love, who we love can return the love. What we love sometimes distracts us from who we love. Here's the second one. And this one maybe is going to be a little bit hard for some of us to swallow. But I'm asking you, just hang in there with me. Okay, just hang in there. The second thing is this. What you say is irrelevant compared to what you do. What you say is irrelevant compared to what you do. Now, don't get me wrong. Those three words, I love you, are important. They really are. They're important. But if they're not backed up by anything, if there's no action behind the words, then then what do you have? In fact, I'm going to try something right now. I want you on the count of three to just say, Doug, I love you. Ready? On the count of three, I just want you to say, Doug, I know some of you are giggling. It makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside. I just want you to say, Doug, I love you on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, I feel so good about myself right now. But how do I know? How do I know that you really love me? Right? If there's no actions behind the words, then the words are merely poppycock. I just wanted to throw that word into a sermon at some point, okay? It's merely poppycock, nonsense, baloney, twaddle, blather, drivel, hogwash, garbage, whatever other synonym you want to use, that's what it is. In fact, those three words, when we write them down, some of you today, when we leave here today, you're going straight to Hallmark or a gas station to pick up a card because you forgot, and you're going to go and you're going to write, I love you, but if there's nothing behind those three words, truly, then as the old saying goes, they're not worth the paper they're written on. My friends, what you say is irrelevant compared to what you do. Which leads us to the last point, and it's this. Who you love, who you love is confirmed by what you do. Who you love is confirmed by what you do do and jesus was the supreme example of this was he not in fact um you and i have a hard time if i was to say to you give me a definition of love give me a definition we would have a hard time wouldn't we we'd have a hard time defining what love is it's kind of like the supreme court justice who was talking about a different subject but said you know what i don't know how to define it but i know it when i see it and you and I, we, we can, we can, oftentimes we can see love occasionally, sometimes in action, but we have a hard time defining it. And that's the beauty of the Apostle Paul, who was formerly known as Saul. And as Saul, the Pharisee, he went around persecuting people of the way, people who were followers of, of, of Jesus Christ, until he had his own experience with Jesus where he gave that all up and became Paul and took that message that he was once persecuting and took it around the known world 
or a lot of it at that point in time. And Paul didn't necessarily give us a definition of love, but he showed us the characteristics of love. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, often known as the love chapter, this is what Paul wrote. He said, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Picture it this way. My wife and I, we live not too far away from, uh, from 94. And at night, especially in the wintertime when there's no leaves on the trees, I can hear, I can hear the traffic on 94. I can hear the semis. I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. And now he's kind of painted this picture for you and me. And now he kind of takes this, the biggest hammer that you've ever seen in your life. And he just drives the point home. And he says this, love is patient. Some of us just need to stop reading right there. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast it isn't proud it doesn't dishonor others it isn't self-seeking it isn't easily angered and it keeps no record of wrongs love doesn't delight in evil but rejoices with the truth it always protects always trusts always hopes always perseveres say the word always that's a powerful word. Always is always. It always protects. Love always trusts. It always hopes. And no matter when the chips are down and we're having a hard time and we've been having a lot of disagreements or we don't have money in the bank or I just lost my job or the kids are acting like demons or whatever the case may be, love perseveres. And then as if we were having a hard enough time understanding what Paul was saying, he takes all of this up. He wraps his arms around it. And in verse 3, he tells us what love is and what love does in three simple words. Love never fails. Love never fails. I, I love that verse. That's one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. Love never fails. It didn't fail at the cross. It didn't fail at the tomb. And it doesn't fail today. Love never fails. And then he wraps it up in verse 13. And he says this, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest, say the greatest, but the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. And love never fails. Love never fails. It never gives up. It never gives in. 
It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. And out of these three great things that are backed up in Scripture, faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. Why? Because it encompasses the other two. And my friends, for you and me today, the greatest thing that you and I can understand is that Jesus was our model. He was our template. He was our example of this kind of love. Valentine, shadow. He was an imitation. He was a mirror reflecting the love of his Lord and Savior. And love is not a thing. Love is not a thing. Candy and flowers, they may be a representation of love, but true love is a lifestyle. True love is a lifestyle. Love may have certain feelings to it, but you and I both know, we all know that, that, that feelings can come and go. Feelings can be misleading, but love never is. Love never fails. And, and, and love is much less concerned about what have you done with, for me lately and much more concerned about what have I done for you lately. <laughs> Which brings us to the cross. It always brings us to the cross because that's what God did for you and me. Love is marked by the lengths that you and I would go to to reveal what's inside for that other person. And that's what God did for you and for me. When Jesus went to the cross, it was God's way of saying, I love you. And if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, I hope you'll hear this. God loves you. And my friends, that's why we're receiving communion on Valentine's Day. Not at all to remember Valentine. My hope is not that you'll walk out of here remembering Valentine. My hope is that you walk out of here today remembering the lengths to which God would go to reveal his love for you. So before we dive into communion, there are three questions that I want to encourage you with, okay? Three questions for you to think about today or in the coming week to go over as an individual or maybe even with loved ones or friends. The first question is this, when you think of a couple in love, who do you think of? When you think of a couple in love, who do you think of? Some of you immediately, you think of a couple. It comes to your brain. Some of you may have to think a little while. But the next question is why? Why do you think of that couple? Second question, how do you know you love somebody? How do you know you love somebody? What things has love made you do for that person you love? List them out. Talk about them. And the third question is this. Look at 1 Corinthians, Corinthians 13, 1 through 8, and list out Paul's characteristics of love. Which one do you think you need to work on the most? Which one, remember, love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't, but all of those different things. Which one do you think you need to work on? Now, here's the bigger question. If you're married, 
engaged, dating, ask that significant other person this question. Which one do you think I need to work on the most? Which one, ladies, one? Which one do I need to work on the most? And then listen without speaking. Listen without, when that person says, well, you know what, you are, you're kind of impatient. When I talk to you about this, you kind of, or, or you know what, I've noticed that you keep a record of any time that I do, you bring, and it comes up later on. Ask them, and then listen, and don't respond. Don't go, well, but you don't understand. You don't know the pressure I've had. Oh, yeah, well, you should look at, no, 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 just listen, and then work on that. So, once again, going into this day, Valentine's Day, and talking about love, it's a perfect time for us to receive communion. To be reminded of the lengths to which God would go to reveal his love for you. It says in the Gospels, and then even Paul writes about it later, says that on that night, Jesus, the night before he was betrayed, or the night he was betrayed, right before he was going to die, he was having dinner. He was having the Passover meal with his closest followers, and he took the bread and he broke it, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take it and eat. And then he took the cup, and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant written in my blood, paid for in my blood. Take this and drink, and every time you do, remember me remember that in that moment god was saying i love you so we're going to take just a a couple moments right now and uh hopefully you have the cup with the bread and the juice in it and if you don't please feel free as the music begins to play we've got more on the back tables back here you can walk back and grab one if you'd like but as you take this, I hope that you won't rush through it. For those of you at home, hopefully you, you've got the bread and, and the juice or water or whatever you have. And as you take this, remember what God did to show his love for you. Father, thank you for this time. On this day of all days, God, we thank you the love that you showed to us when you sent your one and only son to die on the cross for our sins and even when we were still sinners you died for us Jesus thank you for your obedience to the father and now as we take the bread and we drink the juice We remember what you did for us out of love. In Jesus' name. My friends, you're welcome to receive communion now.